you're listening to the Nurture Project podcast with Sophie Dale. So today I'm delighted to have with me on the podcast Nahanda Truscott-Reed, who is a writer, a speaker, a yogini, a holistic wellness coach, and particularly relevantly to us on the podcast, um, an expert on the subject of rest. So welcome to the Nurture Project podcast. Thank you so much. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. So could we please start by finding out a bit more about your own journey towards doing um, work in this field? For sure. So for me, the change came when I became pregnant with my first daughter, who's now five. And it was a kind of awakening on a spiritual level that led me to reassess the life that I'd created externally and realizing that the way I wanted to be, the way I wanted to experience life, the way I wanted to feel, all of a sudden didn't match up with the life of, you know, corporate nine to five, um, you know, a a rhythm that felt very unnatural, um, having to ask permission to take rest, like all of the things that I really needed during my pregnancy and the months after, I felt like I wasn't able to to have in the life that I had created. And so it was it was the changing point for me to really kind of move away from that world and create a world where I was able to really embrace all parts of myself and to help others to do that as well. So um, I trained as a holistic wellness coach and I began to study energy and, you know, understanding modalities that support our energy and then realizing how society isn't really life affirming and the setup that we have in, you know, the Western, you know, constructs of capitalism and patriarchy just don't, they're not life affirming. And so I have put my life's work now into modeling that living that leaning into that more and more each day for myself and helping other women particularly mothers and women on that path to do the same lovely thank you um and the the focus of this podcast is all around self-care and self-care for writers um and i'm curious to know how you would define self-care so i i call it soul care um and so it's one of the modalities that I use with each of my clients. And I think it's about um, coming back into balance, coming back into alignment. And so doing the things that you're stopping, <coughs> which we normally don't get the opportunity to attend to. So it's kind of cultivating things in our lives, moments and spaces that allow our souls to feel fed and nurtured rather than just you know, going through the practical demands of reacting and kind of being on the rat wheel of, um, is is it even a rat wheel? It's a hamster wheel, but it feels feels like a rat wheel. Um, Being on the wheel of kind of like trying to get more and then having to do more to maintain more and actually stripping that away and creating spaces and time in your life every day for caring and nurturing for the soul. So anything that makes the soul feel good and I know this feels esoteric so I'm going to try and bring it back to um, a bit more of a tangible understanding but so say for example listening to your favorite music or dancing you know like these things aren't things that we do to get a particular result at the end they're not productive they don't produce a particular result externally that is for anybody else necessarily but it makes us feel good and so how much can we allow ourselves 
you know, an exploration into the things that really feed us and nurture us and make us feel good um, and pay less attention to the things that are kind of screaming at us for our attention. Um, so it's finding that balance. And that's why I think self-care at, at large is referring to, but how I kind of take it a little bit deeper into thinking about it as a as a practice for the soul, really. Thank you. Um, I think that really plays into um, what I see with writers when when they are blocked is that often they're cut off from their own sources of soul care, as you put it. Um, and as a result, their kind of well of inspiration just gets dry because they're so disconnected from from themselves and from their creativity. Um, but what I really wanted to talk to you about, as as I said um, at the beginning, is rest um, and rest as a superpower and mm. how we can get more in tune with our, our abilities to rest. So over to you. <laughs> so it's funny because I, I have been speaking and writing a lot about rest recently. And yet in the current situation that we find ourselves in, I'm probably still in the like most tired that I've ever been. <laughs> so there is an irony in the fact but it's it's really just leaning into the commitment to slowing down and carving out space and time in the day when nothing else is required, which isn't just for sleep. It's not just for switching off and just kind of tuning out, but it's for an actual like transitionary practice where you're opening to actually receiving and so when I hear you speak about writer's block or you know creativity blocks or when I see couples who are struggling to conceive or women who are trying to repair after having a baby all of these things are like a, a block in energy which can only be repaired I believe through adequate rest first and foremost and then through being able to kind of take yourself through um, all of the things that bring you joy and life and and inspiration you know it's this sense that we've been trained to think that anything that we do is of us solely and so it's the burden and the pressure and the expectation that I think literally restricts us and and comes up as resistance whenever we're then trying to set set off into a creative endeavor because all of those things are kind of layering on top of the channel which we really want to just be remaining open and so rest is one way that we can reconnect to receiving and what I see with women is specifically is that we rarely have moments in our day in our lives you know where we're giving ourselves permission to receive, not because we've done something really well and have earned the badge to say, you've been exhausted, you've cleaned your house, like your children are thriving, like here is your badge of honor. It's like, okay, you know, there's a sense that we're gonna rest when we're old, or there's a sense that we're gonna rest once we've achieved all of the things that society have told us that we need to, to acquire in order to have a successful life. And what I say is actually, not to let go of the goals, the goals are what they are and we're living in the society that we're in, but how about rest being the actual gateway into the, the portal that would allow that to come with some ease? So it's kind of ease over effort, right? And, and, and allowing for support and resourcing that would allow whatever endeavor you need to do, whether that's conceiving, birthing or writing, 
to flow from a place that feels full. And so rest allows us the capacity to be resourced and to come back into a stillness where we have the space to digest all of the stimulation that we've been exposed to, where we have the space to process, where we have the space to access things that we already know that we've forgotten that we already know. You know, it's like when people say things like, oh, I'm going to sleep on something, you know, I'm going to I'm going to sleep on a decision that needs to be made. Or, you know, I hope once I've had some rest, there'll be an answer. And often with that expectation, you find that there is because dreams are one way that we get communicated to, you know, resting then allows space and stillness in the body and the mind and the soul to then access parts of ourselves that we otherwise on waking don't really get to access. And so I I present rest as a practice, as part of a kind of um, program, if you will, of soul care um, and to really become curious at the resistance that usually comes up, you know, and to get to the root of the stories that we're telling ourselves for why we don't allow ourselves these moments to relax and to rest and to to take a step back from everything else in our lives. Um, So I find that once we actually commit to something like that, it gives us the richness to then be able to understand where other blockages and other resistances may be lying so that we can, you know, easily, gracefully move through them and heal. I think that's the main thing is that rest is a is a really easeful healer. So, um, you know, whether it's a physical illness or it's a creative block or, you know, there's some balance that's showing up in some place in your life. Rest is nearly always going to be the first point of call that I that I would recommend and go to for myself. Um, So it's what I I kind of invite more women to to open to. I think it's fascinating the resistance. I find myself that, you know, I will resist going and just lying down for 10 minutes and force myself to stay at the computer for longer for no reason. Like I'm getting less and less productive as I sit there exhausted. And and yet there's there's this little voice in the head that's so strong that's kind of um, just just causing this huge resistance to to just resting and it's free and it's you know it's it's so easily available it's almost as if it's too easy I think well I would be really interested to hear what the voice that you hear when those that is happening for you what is that voice saying there's some kind of not yet which I think is to do with what you were talking about that sense that you have to have you know ticked off x number of boxes before you're allowed to rest um, and I don't think it's only me who has that. I think no. that's a, a really common um, kind of bit of programming that that we have from the society around us. Um, but it, I just I always find it fascinating how however much I think I've got past it, I will still catch myself back in that that same loop again. Which is uh, why I, I think of it as a practice, because yeah. the not only do you get the restorative benefits over time, but the daily um, journey towards actually committing to lying down is part of the healing work, mm. right? It's it's hearing the voice and deciding which voice you're going to listen to. And then being able to come, become, get curious to the voice and be like, well, what is this voice actually, where is it actually coming from? Is it true? Is it mine? 
like where did this first start and answering those questions become like a kind of a self-reflection journey in and of itself which leads you down to other paths of healing that can all still be encompassed in your rest practice so the one that you described the kind of I, I'll rest but not not yet or not now like that's a classic sense of unworthiness at the root it's a sense that I can only rest once I've done more or achieved more or produced more which then is a conflation of the fact that my only worth is what I'm producing mm. like I'm only valued in the context that I produce this document or that there's an external person who needs me to do this thing that I'm going to get this reward from whether it's financial or otherwise that means that I have to show up in this way and when those things aren't in place and we're just doing something for the piece of it it feels like a really big tussle, but it's it's repairing our sense of self-worth that then allows us to take up that rest. And and the thing that people always say is like, okay, I'm gonna work on my self-worth and then I'll be able to rest. But it's like you have to rest to, to be able to take mm. the action in the direction that you're wanting to move in. It's like take the act of self-care and then you'll begin to nurture self-love. You can't you can love yourself first and then do those things. But instead of making that another reason why you don't take the actions and line up the story so that then you're continuously feeding your body with the signature of what that feels like. And so when you're doing that with intention and you're saying, you know, I rest because I'm worthy, you know, like I am enough. I, my rest is my productivity. My rest is feeding my work. My rest is my my contribution to myself and to the world. And you're you're feeding in these kind of affirming beliefs into each rest practice. That voice, hopefully, over time becomes less and less powerful. And the the need and the desire for the benefits that rest produce becomes louder and easier to give into. Mm. Mm, yes I'm sure that's true um as you were talking about practice that was making me wonder about um whether you would talk a little bit about kind of creative rhythms and rituals and, and that side of things yeah so for me ritual is such an important part of the healing journey but also in kind of creating lives that are full of more meaning and purpose and so I think it's such a private and personal expression of that something that you want to nurture or cultivate that it doesn't have to look the same way for everyone. It depending on what it is you're trying to call in or what you're trying to release. Um, it may be a sitting practice where you have an altar and you bring on some sacred objects and you have a kind of visualization or an affirmation, but it can also be having a mindful shower where every drop that falls on your skin is a practice in pleasure or a practice in releasing things that aren't serving you. You know, it's the, the key things that make up a ritual is a commitment to, to kind of showing up for it on a regular basis at designated time and space um, and having a, a sacred intention, you know. And if the intention is to support your creative practice or to birth a book or you know what whatever that thing is it's thinking about using the elements connecting to nature and bringing in moments of sanctity during the day that allow you to reconnect to that vision 
and to that purpose and to that meaning. And so I, I really love crafting different rituals with, with women, depending on their stage or their focus. Um, and, you know, I did one with a couple uh, recently, which was about receiving the blessing of their child, which they thought they would never receive because they were going through IVF and, you know, long story. Um, and so that ritual was one of, you know, ancestral honoring and, you know, being able to celebrate their lineage kind of, you know, uh, passing down through their new child. And, you know, we created something that was very bespoke that they can then take elements of in their daily lives, you know, and just have this kind of uh, signature point, this kind of um, this stop point where you can come back to to connect to the thing that you want to be most real. So that's how I think about ritual. And I think when we're thinking about creativity, we're, we're talking about the root chakra. And so for people who are familiar with the chakras, they're energy centers up and up and down and throughout the body. But the root chakra is kind of the pelvis and the private parts. Um, and obviously it's, it's the place which babies are created and birthed through. But it's also the space of creativity and expression in the world. And so things that nurture the root chakra are the elements of earth. And so actually grounding onto the earth is going to be something that feeds that creativity. Um, eating foods that have that elemental vibrational quality of earthliness. Um, so that can be root vegetables, literally, that have grown beneath the earth. But it can also be foods that have that color that indicates the root chakra so there's lots of subtle ways that you can begin to connect with your intention from the colors that you're wearing to the gemstones that you use in your jewelry to the environment that you set up to have your creative space thinking about smells and you know sensory experiences that are going to allow you to be transported from this everyday reality into the space of imagination and play and freedom so that you can retrieve all of the goodness that you need to come back and write the book or make the thing or do the business. You know, that's that's a way of of living that I, I feel like we all yearn for, even if we don't realize it. Mm. And when we experience it can really enrich and, and embolden our lives. Um, so being able to support women through that is is such a, a, a blessing for me. And I'm sure for, for people who are on a creative path, who've maybe tried different things like this, ritual is just going to be another layer of, um, of richness to, mm. to tap into. I think as well, just on a really practical level, especially women who are balancing doing lots and lots of things in their lives, when there's only a small amount of time for writing in your day-to-day -day life, then having a couple of ritual things that you do before you start writing just helps to cue your mind to say we've now shifted from multitasking 23 other things to the writing zone and the writing headspace. Exactly. So I find, you know, some of my clients will just they'll they'll spray a, a perfume or they'll burn an essential oil or they'll light a candle or they'll do something that only takes a few seconds. But if they always use that specific thing for writing then it, it it kind of just cues that that head state and means that when they have 20 minutes to write they can actually get themselves into that creative space more quickly exactly exactly um, so um 
if people would like to find out more about you and your work, um, what is the best way for them to follow you? So I, my website is Soul Mama Journey, which is S-O-U-L-M-A-M-A journey.com. Um, and I have details of ways of working with me and uh, free resources, podcasts I've done, articles I've written, blog, um, and a new podcast that I've hosted myself um, called the Soul Mama Podcast. And so all of that is on the website. And I'm also on Instagram at Soul Mama Coach. Um, so I would love to hear from any of your listeners um, in ways that I can support. That would be great. Lovely. Well, thank you so much for having our conversation today. Thank you. I think I'm going to go and rest now. <laughs> <laughs> I hope Me too. We too. <laughs> thank you for listening to the Nurture Project podcast. If you enjoyed this, please make sure to check out the other episodes.